You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and sing this out together if you're able.
Good morning, friends. Welcome to Kensington. I'm so glad you're here with us today for the third and final week of our summer fashion series. I'm Cliff Johnson, one of the teaching pastors here, and clearly the most fashionable teaching pastor on staff. Sorry, Steve Andrews, you came in a close second. The rest of you, Craig, Joel, Andrew, Justin, Jeremiah, you really need to step up your game. We are so excited to tell you about our Hope Water Project event that's coming up. Here's Aaron Brissett to give you more information. Hi, my name is Erin, and I'm here to tell you that the Hope Water Project 5K and Fun Run is back. We thought we'd give you a little dose of 2021 and say, things may look a little different this year. But the only thing that's different this year is we're running later in the summer than normal. What's that? Normal? That's right. Normalcy will be brought to you this year by the Hope Water Project. For those of you who are new to the Hope Water Project, we exist to raise money and awareness to bring clean water to our friends, the Pocot in Western Kenya. Hope Water has installed more than 130 wells since 2012. These wells don't just bring clean water to the Pocot because where there is water, there is hope, there is life, there is a future. And where these things exist, there is Jesus. This is our seventh annual 5K, and maybe the most special yet because we're gathering again as a community. And this year, we truly appreciate the gift this is. This event is awesome because everyone can participate. There's no need to be an Olympian. You, your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors are invited back to normal to run or walk in person or virtually, if you still prefer, at the end of this July. This year, Traverse City will have their own 5K event on the evening of July 21st. Metro Detroit campuses will be running Saturday morning, July 31st at the Troy campus. We encourage you this year to BYOP. Don't know that one? Bring your own picnic, bring a chair, bring a blanket, bring some food, and plan to spend a few hours hanging out, playing games, listening to music, and meeting awesome people in this community. At this time, in-person registrations will be limited to 500 participants. These spots will go fast, so reserve your spot and start fundraising today. If you aren't called to run or walk, we get it. Please feel free to donate to the Hope Water Project General Fund. The goal for this year's 5K is three wells. To donate, register, or for more information, check us out at kensingtonchurch.org 5K. Hope Water is thrilled to be bringing back this amazing community. See you at the starting line. So again, you can find more information about the 5K events at kensingtonchurch.org slash 5K. And I'll give anyone $1,000 of Danny Cox's money if you can beat Andrew Kim in the 5K. You should probably start training right now. I'd also like to tell you about our new series. I'm so excited about this. It starts next weekend. It's called Shaking the Family Tree. We're looking at the surprising ancestors of Jesus. If we trace back his lineage, we don't find perfect and pious people, not even solid citizens. God chose to include four special women with troubling stories as ancestors of our Savior for a reason. Join us for this four-week series as we take an honest and maybe jarring look at the family tree of Jesus. Okay, back to our services now. Let's take a walk down the runway and see what God has for us today. Joy. 
so bad but that's also why it's fun but I'm gonna love you like I got nothing to prove feeling good in the pocket like an old school I love it. You can clap for that. Uh, I'll mention that in a minute. That, that, that song's actually going to bump us into our day, and I got a funny story about uh, Dan being in that plastic bowl. But welcome, everyone. Welcome here in the room, everyone on stream. Uh, today, we're actually coming from our Troy campus, and we're streaming out to everyone. So uh, we just welcome everyone that is watching from all different campuses. You know, we had a saying that we said years ago, one church, multiple locations. And we haven't said that in a long time, but it's true. We have six different campuses. Uh, we have uh, the Brazil campus right now, international campus that is right meeting in our chapel here uh, in our building. And then we have six other campuses. So we're glad that you're tuning in wherever you are. And we do this every week. So on the count of three, everyone here, let's greet everyone watching. One, two, three. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Well, uh, so that, that, that song, Living in a Plastic Bubble, that whole image of us walking through life, we, you know, we in our own little world, passing away opportunities that are right in front of us. Uh, we did that years ago. In fact, so much so that the boys that were bouncing the basketball, they were my kids when they were that big. Now those guys are way bigger than me and can take me out now. But uh, that, that video was funny because we had a day similar to today in temperature-wise, probably 85 that day, and we put Dan Bancher. Now, Dan used to be in our community for years. He lives in Texas now, hilarious guy. He had so much uh, video with us and so many funny moments. Uh, but he was in that, and he would be in that for hours at a time. We'd have to open it up and let him breathe and then zip it back up, you know? So one time we're walking, he walked all the way down the end of the street, and we were so busy focusing on getting the video done that we left him down there. 
and he couldn't breathe. You know, so we got to run to him and open it up. And he's like, what are you guys? I don't think he did a video for us for like a year after that, right? But isn't that true sometimes that we live our lives in these bubbles, that we don't really see the opportunities, that we're so focused on our own life and what's in front of us that sometimes we miss what is around us, these opportunities that we walk right by and we don't see, that God would have for us these moments sometimes in our life that God would have right in front of us that we walk by and we never get a chance to actually engage and see God move in our life. And so that's gonna bump us a little into our days. We're finishing this series called Summer Fashion when we've been looking at clothing ourselves individually and as a community and the very traits of God. What does that look like? And we're looking through a book and a teaching in a book called Colossians where Paul, who's a great follower of Jesus, is training a young church. He's speaking to a young church and he's trying to give them the very essence of what it means to follow Jesus, to make sure that they know what it means. When you say you're following Jesus and you're moving out into the world, these are the kind of traits that you're going to take with you. And he's writing to a group of people that have already said and placed their faith in Jesus and trying to live out faith. Now, today you might be joining on stream or you might be in this room and that's not where you're at. You just arrived here like I did over 20 years ago and you're looking for something that's true. You don't know why you're here. Maybe somebody dragged you here. But whatever the case is, here's what I want you to know. Today we're gonna to be speaking primarily to people that say, I'm following Jesus. I'm a person of faith. But I'm excited that you're in the room if you're not a person of faith. Because today's message is a vision, an actual vision of what God put, really desires for people. And I hope you know something. You're not here by accident that God has pursued you, that he's looking for you, that he's drawing you. And if you have this sense in you that you're being drawn here, that is God working in you. And I'm praying by the end of today that you have a great vision, that you feel like God is speaking to your heart and drawing you closer. But the first week of this series, we looked at this passage that talked about clothing ourselves. And here at the Troy campus, I don't know if anybody of you uh, watching from a different campus did this, but we came up with a prayer that we were going to do for seven days. And that was a couple of weeks ago. Now, how many of you did this prayer? Here was the prayer. Lord, as I put on these clothes on my physical body, would you clothe my spirit? with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness. And above all else, would you give, you know, clothe me with love? That was the prayer that we had. Now, how many of you, being honest, you're in church, how many of you used that for seven days? A few of you did that. I'll tell you something. I did that and I'm still doing that. <laughs> Every morning, uh, you know, if you want to put that back up, you can. You can take a picture of it. Every morning, uh, I would say this prayer as I'm putting clothes on, I'm saying, Lord, would you? That was the question we put the first week. Would you clothe? If you didn't do that at your campus, take this picture, do it. That simple practice every day has been really healing for me and really great. Last week, Andrew Kim just said, hey, in order to do this, we need an indwelling of the spirit, meaning that God's spirit has to move in us because this is a supernatural thing that's gonna happen in us. And we need the power of God's spirit to do that. So you can go back and watch that. And I like what he said from Kyle Eidelman, who is a pastor and a writer. Kyle Eidelman said in the Old Testament, it said God with us. In the New Testament, it said God in us, that God would actually send his spirit to live within his people so that people that have God's spirit would then do what? They would actually have their hearts and their minds and their souls molded and shaped to go out to the community and reflect that, reflect God's heart and mind and soul to a greater community. The spirit leads and molds their community in compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness and love. And then today is a simple question. So what? Why? 
Why do we need to do these kinds of things? It's a pretty simple day today, but that's what we're asking. Why? What's the importance of us having a spiritual life? What's the importance of us approaching Jesus? What's the importance of Jesus being center of our life and clothing us with the traits of God? Why? Why do we need to do that? Is there a purpose? And I'm hoping by the end of today that you realize that there's a simple truth, and sometimes we know that things that are simple are not easy. There's a simple truth that can drive this community and us individually to change the world. And so uh, I'd like to pray, and then uh, we're going to jump in and see what God has for this particular service. I'm going to pray for Surfside, Florida as well. You know that there's uh, the condo collapse there and a lot of things happening there. So I'm going to pray for that community too. Uh, Lord, thank you for this particular community. Thank you for how you've moved in this community over the years and the decades. How are you moving in this community now? And Lord, we really do want to understand, what does it mean to clothe ourselves? What does it mean to receive from you and only you the things that you can give us? And then take those and have those shape our lives so that we would have a purpose to move out into this world. And so, Lord, we want to know more about that. We want to understand what that looks like individually and collectively. And Lord, we do pray for Florida and Surfside uh, community in particular as they're navigating this difficult moment in time. We pray for the families that are awaiting uh, news. And Lord, I would ask that you would activate your faith community there to be a community that will stand next to, that walk with, that would bring your presence and your peace and your power and your love uh, during this time. We thank you, Lord, that we have people all over this country, friends and family in that state, uh, that are walking alongside people in times like this. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we say amen. Well, hey, I would like to share something with you that happened uh, yesterday, this beautiful moment in our community, actually. Uh, we were at a farm, Patrick Bell's farm, out in Bruce Township, and uh, we actually had a baptism service uh, for our cave friends. Our cave friends is our special needs community here, and they are just a community that's very dear to me personally, but also to our entire community. They are such a gift. And so we got to do this baptism service. It was just a beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, people from here, uh, it's our community from here at Troy and also from Orion. Michael Bouchard there is one of the pastors at Orion. And there's Patrick Bell there. And we got to walk through all of this. Uh, last service, uh, my friends Jim and Chris and Mark. Uh, oh, that was a beautiful moment with David. We can only get him that far down, <laughs> but it was so beautiful. Uh, he's such a great friend. And this guy here is really special to me. This is Chris. If you've ever come to the 9 a.m. service, he sits right here every single night service. And I'll tell you what, the guy gives me a probably 15 hugs every week. So he, he's, he's my hug, uh, you know, quota for the week. But that was just a beautiful moment. And then hold, hold on him real quick. This is Christopher. I want to tell you a story about Christopher that happened yesterday. It was just really moving to me. So every time I baptize somebody, I'll say to them something like, uh, you know, have you decided to follow Jesus all the days of your life? You know, we love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we baptize, right? Now, he doesn't know what I'm going to say to him. We don't really know each other really well. And so I lean into him and I say, Christopher, have you decided? Yes, I've decided. And he cuts me off. I've decided to follow Jesus every single day of my life. He doesn't even know what I'm going to say. I'm like, wow, okay, great. You're on top of this, you know? And I say, okay, well, will you love? Yes, I will love God. He cuts me off again with all my heart and soul and with all my mind. And I said, Christopher, with your strength too? And he's all my strength. And then he stops and he says this, and then I'm going to take God's love and I'm going to move out and I'm going to love people and I'm going to serve them and I'm going to go. And he starts preaching. And it was this moment where Michael's there and I'm there and both of us are, I mean, at least for me, I was tearing up and I was thinking, here it is. This is the moment. 
This is a moment in this community where this person actually understands the very simple but difficult part of following Jesus, what we call the gospel, which is the good news. It says, I would bring good news for all people. Christopher said it out loud. Before he ever went under the water, he knew what was going to happen. He was going to give his life to Christ. Christ was going to come into him, start to clothe him with the traits of God, start to breathe in him a vision. And all Christopher said was, this is what God's going to call me to do. He's going to move me out to what? Love people. We could go home because that is actually the message today. That's it. I'm not going to say anything else today other than what I just said. And you know what's fascinating about that? It's hard to love people. It's hard to do simple things of just stepping out in faith and going and loving people. And Christopher said, that's what God's going to ask me to. You know what God's going to ask you to do today? That same thing. Do you realize that each one of you has a, a, an environment or a sphere of influence that I'll never have, but you have it. And God's going to wire in you to go to the places that you're wired to be and to go and the people you're going to influence. And guess what you can do? Exactly like Christopher said. I'm going to go to my little space. And I'm going to share out of this clothing that God is going to put on me. I'm going to share that clothing with people. That's really my desire for us today. And when that happens, when those moments happen in our life, and each one of us have experienced it in some way, when that love transfers to other people, it is transformative changes people. God not only changes us individually, but he has a plan to change people through us. Years ago, when my, uh, our youngest, my wife Amy's here too, our youngest was in elementary school. He had a really turbulent time. And it got so bad at one point uh, that we had to remove him from public school. He had so much anxiety, so much hurt. And it was a tough time in our family because parents, you know this, when your children hurt, you hurt. You know, when your children struggle, you struggle. You try not to, but it's hard not to because you're so connected. And so it was a really tough time for us. And we had to find a small community for our child to go into and start to heal and start to really get confidence back and start to figure out what this was. And so we found a small little Christian school not far from our home. And we went there, incredible people, great principal, great teachers. They understood the situation. They knew that it was very delicate and it was very intense. And we show up there and they understand what we're going through and there's kind of set some stuff up. And they were amazing. But there's one person in particular, and I've told this story a couple of times before, that was really astounding. He was a part-time facilities person. His name was Robert. I didn't know the guy. What I didn't know of the guy is he's really loud. You always talk like this. You know, you always scream and you have this boisterous sound, you know. And so in the mornings when you'd pull up in the circle drive, we pulled up in the very first morning, he was out there and he was yelling at cars, let's go, move along, let's go. And he would keep us moving. So we pulled up, and our child is really anxious and nervous, and he doesn't want to get out of the car. He's kind of going into a grade. He's not finished yet. It's not the beginning of the year. It's kind of quarter of the way, three quarters of the way through. Sitting there, I say, hey, buddy, you got to go. You got to take a shot at this, you know. So finally he gets up enough nerve, opens up the door, puts his feet on the pavement, head down, and this is what he hears. Bernie! This guy just screams our child's name out. I don't even know this guy. And here's what my son does. You know, he just walks in. He just had his head straight down. And he just walks in. Guess what? Every morning, every time he got out of the car, Bernie, this guy just screamed my son's name. I don't know how long it was. Maybe it was two weeks. Maybe. 
10 days, two weeks. I don't remember what it was, but I remember it. Because one day, my son put his feet on the pavement. Benny! And my son looked back and said, Mr. Monroe! And screamed. And his head started to lift up. I want to tell you something. That moment, whew, that moment was transformative. Because right before my eyes, knowing our situation, this stranger, who I later come to find out was part of our Kensington community and a follower of Jesus, he had compassion in his heart. He had eyes to see the one. He had this unbelievable clothing of God. And he stood out there in the most proud way and said, I'm going to call this kid's name out until he raises up his head. And I'll tell you something. He did that for three years for our son. He walked alongside of him and we watched our son just come back to life. That's a simple thing to do, isn't it? But a powerful and transformative thing when God is working through a human being to see others and to yell out in compassion and love and say, I'm going to pour into you. You have that ability. I have that ability. It's in simple things that we do. And sometimes we walk into bubbles, these bubbles around our life, and we're so focused about the bubbles that we can't see what's around us. Now, here's what I want you to know. Some of you are here today because you're like our son. You need some healing. You need people to look at you and call out your name. You need Jesus calls. You need healing. You need to sit here. You don't need to go right now. You just need to sit. You need to take in the love of Christ and you need to really commit to Jesus in your heart and mind and soul. That's great. But some of you have to be reminded of the clothing you have on and the importance of what you have to give to the world. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing in this story. And that's why when we look at lives like Martin Luther King Jr. and and Mother Teresa and these heroes of the faith, we look at these lives and we say, they're incredible. Why? Because they are living out in a tangible way the clothing that God has put on them. And when they do it, guess what? We have a front row seat to see not only their lives transformed, their incredible words that can be put out into the community, but the acts that they put out there and the things that they do start to have transformation around them. Why? Because we're connected. We belong to each other. Mother Teresa says it this way. When there is no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we, ha- that we do belong to each other. <laughs> we belong to each other. And God has an ability to work through people to move and to actually go into a community and transform it through his people. And so today, what I'm hoping for, what I'm really wanting to see, is how our personal surrender to Jesus Christ is connected to the grand mission of God for all people, that God's people are designed to be people of good news for all people. And we're going to see this kind of progression in the letter that Paul's writing to the small little community. And we're going to work through chapter three in particular. And I'm going to go back to week one and I'm going to read you over a little bit of what we talked about then. And then we're going to go through these little bits of verses that we have this week. Colossians three, Paul says this to this community. And he's saying it to us today. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and bear with one another and give forgiveness, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven, we're called to forgive. And then above all that, clothe yourself with love, which will bind everything together and create unity, will create harmony. That's the vision that God has for his church. Man, I'm just thinking out loud, but I rarely see that even in church. That's sad, but we have an ability and we have a calling to do that. 
This is the vision. That's why I say if you're here and you're looking at faith and you're going to say, sometimes human mess, humans mess this up. But this is really what God's design is for our church and desire for people is to have this unity and have this love and have all of these traits of God. And then after this verse, Paul turns from this character shaping, this is what it should be, to then conduct. And this isn't just theology or a, a theory. Paul's saying this isn't just theory. This actually needs to now become tangible. <laughs> that when you're in a community, that's why I desire for us, when we're in a community, all of us, that we're in this community, it's tangible. We can feel these kinds of things, that they manifest, that it has an effect on us internally and then eventually externally to community around us. I mean, can you imagine working out for years and years and years and you look exactly the same after 10 years? No, you're going to work on this stuff and God's going to work in you and us as a collective group. And over time, he's going to manifest these things out and they should have an impact in the communities around us and around the world. So Paul talks about these traits and then he turns it into conduct. And this is what he says in Colossians 3.15. He said, and let the peace of Christ rule. Say that, and let the peace of Christ rule. One more time, let the peace of Christ rule. In your hearts. Great. I wasn't asking for that, but it was beautiful. But let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. He's saying this. Let God's peace come into you, and that peace is actually going to create a unity, a oneness, and that oneness is going to create gratitude and thanksgiving. What's interesting about the peace of Christ is that one of the names in Scripture for God is the Prince of Peace. And in this world, we always talk about peace, this obsession. We want world peace, we want inner peace, we want all kinds of peace. But in Scripture, God says, my peace is different than the world's peace. My peace is rooted in something very, very different. It's nowhere in this world can you find my peace. There's only one place that this peace exists. And when Jesus had his followers, he would say to them as encouragement when he was going to leave because he knew that there was going to be trouble and turbulence and hard times. He's like, I want to give you a promise. I want to give you something. I want to leave you something. And you can't find it anywhere else other than one place. And he's saying this because he knows that human beings need it. When my boy's feet were coming out of our car and hitting that cement, there was something that he needed. And it was nothing that the world could offer, but he, had, he needed a peace that only came from one place. John 14, Jesus says this to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I do not give to you as the world gives. Listen to what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you, but my peace I give to you. Jesus saying to his followers, guess what? There's a peace that I'm going to leave for you. When I leave, I'm going to leave you something, but it's mine. I'm not from this world. It's mine. It's only found by placing faith in Jesus Christ. It's only found by surrendering to Jesus. And then look what he says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He's saying, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be times of unrest. There's going to be times of fear. Have you guys felt that in the last 15 months? How about the last 15 hours? And you're all like this. Yes. It's okay. I have too. 
Jesus says, but I'm gonna leave you something. I'm gonna give you something. But it's only in one place. Try to find it in so many other places. It's amazing. I remember years ago, a celebrity said something. I don't remember who it was. But somebody asked him, can, can money buy you happiness and peace? And he's like, you know what? I don't know if money can buy me happiness, but it'll buy me a boat big enough to ride right alongside it. You know, and I always like that because it's so true. It's like we'll sell out to the thing that'll just be just about peace and just about the thing. We'll put our trust and our faith in all kinds of things that are supposed to give us peace. We're going to buy some, you know, book. We're going to do some study. We're going to do these kinds of things. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving it to you. It's only found in me. Paul says this to another church. He says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything. I always laugh when they read that. Oh, okay. I won't be anxious about anything. But in everything, okay, everything, by prayer and, and supplication or asking with thanksgiving in our hearts and gratefulness, let your requests be known to God. Every time I read this in Philippians, I kind of laugh because I'm thinking, this is it. This is the answer. I'm like, okay, if I come to you in humility and thanksgiving and I come to you asking and I'm going to come to you, God, and I'm going to say, this is the moment. Hey, this is the moment in scripture where God say, guess what? When you ask me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you everything you want. So God, and I'm waiting for God to answer that way. And here's what God says. When you do these things, here's what you get. A peace of God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all the ability for humans to understand, will do what? It has an active role. It will guard your hearts and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm always waiting for God to say, I'll give you everything you ask for. And he goes, no, I won't give you anything that. I may, I may not, but I'm going to give you something. And that's a peace that surpasses all our ability to understand because it only comes from the person of Christ when it's central to your life. And you have to remember what Paul's doing here. We're in the third chapter of a letter that has four chapters. And in the very first chapter, this is what, God's, this is what Paul says to the community. He says, do you realize that Jesus Christ is the truth and the life? He is the highest thing. In fact, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, that all things were created in and around and through him, that everything belongs to him, that he was there in the very beginning of creation, that he is actually central to everything you do. So what Paul is saying is he's pointing them back. He's shifting their gaze. He's trying to move their heads up. And I'm trying to do that to us today too. Move your heads up. There's one place and that's the person of Jesus, period. There's no other place you're gonna get that kind of peace that surpasses human understanding. That's it. And Paul's trying to say, do you realize how central this is? I like that word rule, say rule. That role, rule, in this particular scripture, it's an athletic term. It actually means to like preside at the games or distribute the prizes. Paul says this piece needs to rule your life. He's, he's taking sort of a, a variant of this rule, in, uh, this, this word in scripture. He's essentially saying this. When we have this piece, it is actually the thing that's going to be an indicator that we're in the will of God, that we're following God, that it's going to be our umpire. It's going to let us know that we're in the right place at the right time when we have this peace, this unification, this one in spirit. It's a sign that God is working in our life. It would be a sign that God's working in our community. And I also like that he uses the word let. Let the peace of God in Christ rule in you. He doesn't say make it rule. He doesn't say force God's peace. He doesn't say work harder to get God's peace. He simply says this, let it which implies that it needs to come to us, that we need to let it, that we need to surrender to it, that we need to receive from God something that is only God. 
I've been kind of obsessed with this book called The Invitation to Solitude and Silence. I've mentioned it a couple of different times, Ruth Haley Barton. And I love the book, and I love one section in the book where she has this kind of chaos going in her life. Maybe you have that too. I know I have that right now. And, and so she, she has this image of a, a, a mason jar filled with river water, and it's shaking up. And her friend says, you're like a mason jar filled with river water, and it's just shaking up. And she's like, you need to stop. You need to settle and sit and let the sediment of the water fall to the bottom and get clear. If we want peace in our life, we have to stop. We have to settle. We have to let God work in our life. Peace only comes when we purposely sit long enough to let the sediment of our life settle to the bottom. And we can start to see more clearly and hear more clearly and receive from God. That would be the first thing I would say today, receive from God. I would say your action step this week is kind of simple. Would you, even now, take out your calendars and say, this week I'm going to find five minutes a day, that's not a big ask, to just settle, to stop, to take your shaken jar of river water, set it down and let it sit and breathe. In fact, right now, just breathe for a minute. Just breathe out. Don't breathe too much, but just breathe out a little <laughs> and just rest for a minute. Would you do that this week? Every single week. If you have kids, just give them 10 bucks and tell them to go somewhere. But, you know, just get time where you can settle down and you can just rest and have time with God because it's in those moments where God starts to let you receive what only comes from him. I like what Henry Nouwen says. He's one of my favorite authors. He says, without solitude... It is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. So the first thing this week is to receive from God. The second thing that Paul says in Colossians is dwell in God. Colossians 3 says this. He says next, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your heart. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Dwell is simple. To find a permanent space in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, to linger over, to ponder deeply, and to make space for God's what? God's word. Now remember, Paul is continuing. He didn't have the New Testament teachings at this time. He's saying, would you be willing to go back over this letter and dwell on it? Think about the words of God. Go back to the scripture you do have and learn it. And in this day, there are so many ways that we can learn the word of God. There are so many ways that we can be in the word of God. And he's saying, would you let that dwell in you richly? Meaning, would you let it to become a permanent part of who you are? Would you receive peace? But would you start to dwell in God? Read his word. Understand it. Let God speak to you through his word. To the point where it's so rich that you start to do is you start to have unbelievable gratitude and singing and thanksgiving. You know what it's like? Here's what dwelling in the word of God really looks like. Benny! That you sing out. You shout out things to people. And you start to sing hymns over people. That it starts to be so part of your heart, mind, and soul that it comes out of you. That the things of God and the word of God starts to actually clothe you and become part of your being. Proverbs says it this way. My child... Keep my words and store up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. 
Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. I always think that it's kind of a cheesy frame, but if you know, if you're a parent, you know something. You look at your child and you say, boy, you're the apple of my eye. What is that? You, you are the thing I'm putting all my focus on. You're the thing that I think about and dream about. God's saying, do you do that with my word, with the things that are very of God? Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. This week, I would encourage you, this summer... Make your reading list, make the Bible part of that. We have all kinds of things we want to do this summer. I get it. We're coming out of a particular season we want to run. And I'm just asking you every day, would you read? There's so many ways to do this. In fact, this week, I actually went on to Version, which is a Bible app that you can download. I'd say download it right now, Y-O-U version. All together, one word, just download that app. And they have a study on peace. They have about 25 studies on peace, and you can do both of those together. Just download it now. Make it part of your day. God's saying, would you actually let me dwell richly in you? Receive from God. Dwell in God's word. And then the last one is this, move with God. Here's what I think is so interesting about this passage. He says, receive this peace, dwell richly in the word of God. And then it almost like, boom, he just makes a turn. And he goes right into relationship. You know why? Because our faith is actually activated in relationship with other people. And listen to what he says in Colossians 3.18. Wives, be subject to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents and everything. Parents, write that down, post that in their thing, just use it against your kids. But <laughs> children, obey your parents and everything. For this is your acceptable duty in, in, the, in the Lord. I, was, <laughs> I look at these ones here. You're telling them to do that right now, aren't you? You're telling them right now. You got them. You guys are done now. It's in scripture. I'm teasing you. Children, obey your parents and everything. And, and, don't, and then fathers, don't provoke your children or they may lose hearts. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything. Not only while being washed, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. And then it says, whatever your task, put, put yourself into it as done for the Lord and not for the master. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive. Say that line. From the Lord you will receive. The inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's fascinating that Paul goes right to marriage, right to family, right to work, right to different kinds of relationships. He goes right into relationships. Why? Because I've learned more about faith in my 30 years with Amy than anywhere else. There's so many things about marriage. I'm like, I can't do it. And God will say, here, let me show you. I can't do it in parenting. I can't do it in this community. I've learned so much. Even the last couple of weeks, I'm going through some stuff and we're working through things. And guess what's happening? God is shaping and molding because it's between people. It's in community that our faith starts to work out. It's in community that we have these opportunities to step in. It's when we get close to people. Paul's like, do you realize that your faith is gonna be worked out in a communal setting? I've always liked the phrase that says, preach the gospel always in Use words when necessary. That your life speaks louder than your mouth. That the way we live out between people, the way we have lived out between people is absolutely critical. One of the great ways to preach the gospel is just live a life that's surrendered to Christ and demonstrating the opposite of how the world would respond. Our faith is worked out with God internally and then with people in community. We belong to each other. And God wanted his people to clothe themselves in his traits so that people would be constantly pointing and pointed to a higher being, to 
to Christ himself through his people. One thing that St. Francis of Assisi wrote in the beautiful prayer piece, he says this, Lord, make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, may we be beloved. This is what I dream for us. Where there is wrong, may we bring the spirit of forgiveness. Where there is discord, may we bring harmony. Where there is error, may we bring truth. Where there is doubt, will we bring faith. Where there is despair, we bring hope. Where there are shadows, we'll bring light. Where there is sadness, we will bring joy. And when we see this, and you can keep that up a little bit if you want to take a picture. It's a beautiful prayer. When we see this, this is how a community responds. When we're clothed in the things of God, when we're surrendered to Jesus Christ, when we are receiving and making time to receive from God his peace, when we actually dwell richly in the word of God, this is the reality. This is what we can do. When we're surrounded by hatred, we'll bring love. When we have a wrong, we'll actually bring up forgiveness. When we have discord, we'll bring harmony and error and truth and doubt and faith and despair and hope and shadows and light. And we'll be able to bring, we'll be able to bring a displayed people, so people that respond so differently than the world will respond. And people will say, what is that in that person? What's working in this community? The very reason we clothe ourselves is that we are part of a mission that God has sent us upon. And each one of you has an opportunity to step into your sphere of influence and change the world for Christ. So I want to tell you one more story and then we're going to receive communion. If you want to prepare, if you're at home, uh, any kind of, you know, in the early parts of communion, they would take any normal parts that they would have there, bread, different kinds of bread, water, wine, whatever they would have, and they would receive communion. So whatever you have around the table is perfect. If you want to go get that, you can get that now and prepare. If you didn't get a communion, we have these little cups here. If you didn't get that, just raise your hand. The ushers will come down and give you that, and we're going to receive that in a few minutes. Right now, we're also going to receive our offering. So if you've come prepared uh, to give and to take part in this moment, thank you. Uh, we just have an incredibly generous community. And of course, Amy and I are always want to be part of this community that actually lives this out. That we want to be a community that is very responsive and clothed in the things of God and out changing uh, the world for Christ. So if you're an invest in that, thank you for that. If you're brand new and you want to be part of that, you can. Uh, it doesn't have to be your moment, but we give a number of different ways, obviously. Uh, we can text 779 to Kensington, go on our app, go on our website. You can send a check-in and then in the back of the building here when we're leaving are these rows. There's some buckets that you can put something in. In 1996, there was something that happened in a city not far from here in Ann Arbor that became local news, national news, and even international news. There was a gathering of the Ku Klux Klan, and they were gathering in Ann Arbor in 1996 to do a demonstration. And there was an opposite group of people that were pressing against that that were gathering there as well. And there was naturally tension between those two groups. And they had officers and different people that were monitoring that tension. And at one point, the anti-crowd identified someone on the other side as being a Ku Klux Klan or KKK member because of their clothing, because of some of the tattoos and different things that they had. And they started to come after the guy as a mob and started to chase him down. At one point, they knocked him to the ground, and they started to kick him, and they started to beat him. Now, we didn't know if this person was part of that, but they started to beat him. and started to hit him with sticks. They started to hit him with all these kinds of things. There was a young woman, because she had Thomas, 18 years old, young black woman, that was part of the anti-group, that bursted her way through all of the people and came around in this moment 
and burst through and started to lay on top of this stranger, this even perceived enemy of hers. She laid on top of him and protected him from all the hits that were happening and pushed the crowd away to the point where they dispersed. It was an incredible act of courage, an act that is opposite of the way that you would think, even in some ways, an act that really wasn't justified. She could have been justified to do nothing for her enemy or perceived enemy. When they asked her why she did this, her response was really interesting. She said, I know what it is like to be hurt. The many times that that had happened to me, I wish someone would have stood up for me. What we don't know, and what's interesting in the research you can have, at least the one, I, the research I did, we don't know if there was ever a conversation between the two people, between this man and her. In fact, it said that there really wasn't any dialogue between them. But what's interesting is a few months later, someone showed up at the coffee house that Kashia was in, and they looked at her at one point and said, thank you. And she looked at them and said, thank you for what? And the person said, that was my father that you laid on top of and protected. I wanna wanna tell you something. When people of faith, rooted in the power of Jesus and the person of Jesus, surrendered to Christ, ones that make time to receive the peace of Christ, that dwell richly in the word of God and the truth of God, that start to live out their faith and clothe themselves in compassion and kindness and meekness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and love over all of Christ's love. When people like that actually go out into the world and demonstrate what that looks like, everyone takes notice. The world took notice of that moment because it's not normal. But guess what? That is actually normal for people of Jesus. And God's actually, that is the normal. That is what's expected. When we clothe ourselves in the morning, we pray and we say, Lord, would you, would you give me your compassion? Would you give me your courage? Would you give me your kindness? Would you give me your love and your joy and your peace and your kindness and your gentleness and your self-control and your faithfulness? Would you give me those things? And would let me dwell with you and let me receive from you. And then Lord, would you push me out and would you take away my bubble? And would you actually let me see who's around me that needs you, that needs someone to go, Fanny, John, Mary. That someone that would cover you. This is the call on our lives. And this series for three weeks in the book of Colossians is saying, this is what community rooted in Jesus has actually really looked like. I hate to say it, but so many times the church doesn't look like that. But I'm calling us to look like that. I'm asking God to do a supernatural move of his spirit to change us internally and move us out to make a profound impact in the world. And so we wanted that thought, those thoughts, those truths to be on this community as we receive communion. Because there's a reason that Christ came, not only for individual redemption of souls, that everyone would place their faith in Jesus Christ would never perish, but have eternal life, that God didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Not only for that reason, look, that we would live it, that it would be tangible, that we would feel it that we'd be able to go out and demonstrate what that actually means. What does a transformed heart and a person of Jesus really look like? How does it transform the world? That is what God is calling his people to do. And so as we prepare ourselves for communion, the band's gonna come out and they're gonna sing a song over you. And what I would hope that we would do is prepare our hearts. 
Many times in scripture it says that we can talk to God in these moments and say, Lord, what do you need me to hear? What do you need me to see? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to, to actually ask forgiveness for? <laughs> what do you need me to actually come to you and give away? Because I wanna be ready to receive. And then I'm gonna come up and give us one thought and we're gonna take communion together so you can hold on to that. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful community. Let this word be an encouragement. Let this word not be a word that puts chains upon our hearts, but one that rather inspires, that convicts us so that we can move deeper and deeper into faith with Jesus Christ. Lord, just like Paul said, Jesus is central to all. He is the only place we can go for supernatural peace, power, love, and authority. It's only Jesus Christ. Father, would you bring us more of you and less of us in this moment? Would you draw us closer to you? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus held up his first followers when he knew that he was going to go to the cross and he wanted to give them a gift, a ritual, something they could do for centuries now that would be a moment to remember exactly what this moment was going to be when he gave his life for all humanity on the cross. But there's a beautiful scripture that Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that gives a huge weight which is a massive weight to the cross. This is a huge vision, rather, for the weight that really happened on the cross, what it actually means, how to impact generations, what the big vision of the cross was. And he, reads, he, he writes it in Ephesians 2. And at this point, there was a moment where Paul realizes and Jesus' followers realized that he was for the world, not just a small group of Jewish believers, but he was going to be for all people. And there was this tension between the Jewish people and, and all the rest of the world. And Paul says it this way, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, which would be everyone that wasn't Jewish, including many of us, or not all of us, for you, for you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, for those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. You had no hope without Jesus and without God in the world. But now, say but now. Those moments in scripture, but now are beautiful, but now. So I mean, it's like, but now, but something has changed. What has changed? In Christ Jesus and only Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I can't help but think in my life where I met Jesus and I was drawn near. That's why I said anyone that is watching on stream or hearing it later in the week or in this room that you came in and you're like, I don't know what this is. Guess what? God is saying, come near. He's saying through the sacrifice of Christ, through belief and faith in Jesus Christ, you are drawn near. For he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace. For he has made two groups, one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulation, his purpose. Don't miss this. His purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to create in Christ one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. That's Jesus' purpose. That's his heart. That's his desire. And in one body to reconcile both and all people to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and he preached peace to those who were near for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That is an epic and incredible vision of the cross and why Jesus came. And God wants to work in individuals to take that kind of power and peace out into the world. And it only found when we surrender our hearts and our minds and souls to Jesus Christ. Like Christopher said in the baptism, now what do I do, Jesus? I surrender my heart to you and now I go and I love humanity in your name. So when you take the bread, I want we take it in that spirit that Jesus would give all for all people so that 
we would be able to clothe ourselves in the traits of Jesus Christ and share them with the world. Let's take the bread together. My favorite scriptures about the blood of Christ is how it washes over us and makes us white as snow. The, the, the sacrifice every day when I wake up and I put on my clothes and I ask God, would you? God is saying, my mercies are new every day. Every day I wash over you. My sacrifice is there for you. I wash you white as snow, start clean. My nurses are new every day and we move into the world. As you drink this, let it wash over you in that spirit. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice. We're not worthy of your sacrifice, but we are grateful for your sacrifice. So Lord, would you do a work in our community? Would you have our hearts surrender deeper and deeper to you? Dwell more richly in all that is of you and your word and your truth. Would you teach us how to slow down and place our trust and faith in you and you only? Would you help us receive from you peace? And Lord, would you have us be humble enough to say, Lord, would you clothe us with all of these things so that we can move out into the world, we can serve people, we can love people. We grateful, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst. And we pray this in your son's name and Jesus. Amen. Well, we wanted to put an exclamation point on this day and on this series. And so we wanted to end with some energy and push us out into the community. So if you're able and you're willing and you'd want to, please uh, stand and let's sing out this song. This talks about the glory of this moment. Let's take this together. I ran out of that place. 
shelter. I was an orphan, but you called me a citizen of heaven. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, look, when you leave here and you go out to your week, I ask that you just do that simple prayer every day. Ask God, break that bubble that you're walking in. Pay attention. God's going to send you something this week. I guarantee you. And the next week we start a brand new series. Excited about that series where we're shaking the family tree. We're looking at through the eyes four weeks of powerful women in the Bible. So come back for that. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you then. Oh, hey, if you need prayer, come down front. We're also going to be praying out in the lobby as well. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.